0: Hi, and welcome to the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and this is the podcast that gives you a peek into the lives of the homeschoolers next door. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I am so glad you decided to come and hang out with us today. Well, it is March here in southern Alabama, and oh my goodness, the weather is just perfect. We have had such a hard time focusing on school. I have to admit there have been a couple of days where we've just done school in the park. It has been absolutely lovely here. And um, it just really does make it hard to focus. Having said that, though, I am getting really excited. I don't know about you guys. I actually think I'm probably kind of the exception rather than the rule. But I love to start planning my next homeschool year pretty early. So this is right about the time of year when I really get the itch to start thinking about all of the things I want to do next year and what things I want to change. Sometimes it does make it hard to focus and finish out the current school year. Going to the conference last week really did not help with this at all. Totally makes me want to figure out everything I'm going to do for next year and A lot of times what I'll actually end up doing is replanning the final term of this school year. And it's really funny because my friend Misty was saying, you know what? It's a great time to give it a trial run. All of these new things that you think you want to do for next year, give them a trial run in the last term of the current school year. I don't think that's a bad idea. That's probably what I'm going to be doing. Well, today I am talking to Allison Burr. And Allison is the project manager for the Read Aloud Revival podcast. And she has a really interesting story. Allison has been transforming her homeschool this year in a really unique way. She is slowing down. This is how she's changing her homeschool. And Allison provides a unique glimpse into an evolving home education system that is focusing on doing less and doing it well instead of doing more. And rushing through things. So, I think you're going to enjoy this one. She also has a really neat but doable idea for something her family calls fairy tale tea time. So, I think you're going to like that too. And we will get right into that podcast after this word from our sponsor. Today's podcast is sponsored by Classical Academic Press. I recently had the opportunity to spend some time with the folks from Classical Academic Press. And I just want to say that I am so impressed by their desire to help moms who are wanting to recover the liberal arts classical education tradition in their homeschool. They are very encouraging and provide a lot of great resources for those moms. Now, one of the resources they provide that we love are their fun and creative Latin programs. My boys use Song School Latin. This is a great gentle introduction to Latin vocabulary using words that are relevant to a kid's life. My nine-year-old daughter Olivia and I have started using Latin for children level A. Now, there's a DVD teacher in this program. This is my favorite part of the program that I have someone who's going to help me explain these grammar and Latin concepts. Olivia's favorite part, though, is headventureland.com. That is Classical Academic Press's online practice site. There are a lot of creative games and videos there that Olivia just absolutely loves. So I'm going to include a link to Classical Academic Press in the show notes for this episode. So be sure to explore their classical subjects creatively taught, and they have also generously provided a discount code for Homeschool Snapshots podcast listeners. So be sure to check that out as well. And now, on with the podcast. Allison Burr is a mom of four whom she homeschools classically in Tennessee. She is a contributor to the Searcy Institute blog and the project coordinator for the Read Aloud Revival podcast. Allison enjoys playing the piano, writing, and studying Latin alongside her children. Hi, Allison, and welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Pam. Thanks for having me.
0: I'm so glad you're here.
1: Thank you. I'm excited to be here.
0: Well, tell me a little bit about your family.
1: Sure. Well, I am married to Chris. We have been married for 15 years this month, and we have four children. Our oldest is a daughter. She's 10 years old. Our second oldest is eight, also a daughter. Then our son is six, and then our last child is another girl, and she is two and a half.
0: Oh, nice. Yes. So how long have you been homeschooling?
1: Well, we've been homeschooling from the beginning. So they've never been to preschool or school, uh, formal school, anything like that. We've always been homeschooling them.
0: Well, what made you decide to take the homeschooling path?
1: Well, I think our journey has been a little bit nontraditional. I don't think that anybody else may have the exact same story as we do. So my husband and I were both public school children, and my dad actually was always the superintendent of schools as I was growing up. So we were very much, yeah, so we were very much invested in the public school. I didn't, I never knew anybody who homeschooled, didn't even ever live in a town where there was such a thing as a private school. So I didn't, it was not even on my radar, never heard of homeschooling. And then my husband and I had been married a few years. We were living in Washington, D.C. at the time, and I was working in Congress as a legislative assistant for a congressman. And part of the work I was doing was covering educational issues and One day, I was assigned to go to a press conference, and so I went, and the press conference was given, which these types of press conferences are very standard in Washington, D.C. You you just send your staff member and find out what that group organization was presenting about, and you could write up a little bit something so you would know how it would relate to a bill or some legislation. Well, this press conference was being given by the educational arm of Planned Parenthood, and I knew that I didn't like Planned Parenthood for obvious reasons, and I didn't really know much about their educational arm, which is called Secus S-E-I-C-U-S. Well, they are the, one of the largest producers of the sex ed curriculum that goes into public schools. And this was back in 2000, this one meant 2003, I think. And so they're still involved in that. And it's I'm sure it's gotten just progressively worse according to our standards. So anyway, I'm listening to the press conference and listening to the sex ed curricula and just this sort of the general discourse about what it was what the assumptions were that teachers would be explaining and introducing this material to kids. And I just sat there and had a heart check. And I thought, oh, over my dead body are our kids. If we have kids someday, are they going to be learning these values from these people? And by this time, I had met one homeschooling gal. She actually was in the office. She was a co-worker of mine. And I thought, I'm going to homeschool someday. And that's it. And I just made the decision then and there. And I didn't even know really even what that meant. I just for me, my initial instinct was I want to control the information and what I saw as the moral values being communicated to my kids. So I tucked away this decision and I didn't share it with my husband for a few years until after our first child was born. And I think she was about two. And um I remember it vividly. We were my husband and I were standing in our house and he said something about, oh, when Madeline goes off to school someday, and I said, Well, honey, we're actually going to homeschool. And he said, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And he said, over my dead body, are we going to homeschool? (laughs) And so that was how it started. It did not start as well as it should have because I, my presentation and delivery were not the best. So it started off a little bit confrontational. And then I, we kind of left it lie. And then I thought, all right, I've got to gather more information because I totally sideswiped him. Obviously he didn't even know really what this concept of homeschooling was. He knew some geeky guy, for lack of a letter word, who'd been homeschooled in his little town. And he thought, that's not who our children are going to be. So then I I thought, well, I'm going to do some research. So I started gathering a few books and finding some articles online and this sort of thing and started making the case slowly but surely. And over the next several months, and it took him a while to warm up. And now this is fast forwarding, our oldest is now 10. And he is you know, my biggest supporter, the biggest advocate for homeschooling you could possibly imagine. I mean, the Lord has really worked in his heart and both of our hearts over time. The interesting thing for us is that neither of us became Christians until after our first child was born. And so she was just a newborn infant and when we were both converted to becoming Christians. And so the whole homeschooling path in terms of viewing it as discipleship and All that stuff, all was very much wrapped up for us. That whole thing was a journey for us that started out, you know, we were very much baby Christians, baby parents, learning everything all at once. And this is the last 10 years, just been a sort of an unraveling and and a growth period for that for us.
0: Wow. That is a fascinating story. Yeah. Wow. And, um... (laughs) I have to laugh at your lack of diplomacy and bringing that one up with the well, husband I, there. Well, you
1: know, I know and we've shared that with other people too. I mean, Other moms will come up to me and say, well, you know what? I think I could homeschool. A lot of times if it's a, a former teacher who's now staying at home with her kids and her kids are in public school, I think I would love to homeschool, but I know my husband would say over my dead body. And I thought, well, you know what? My husband said the exact same thing. And part of it was my poor presentation and the fact that I had not given him any information ahead of time, I just sort of dumped it on him and I already made the decision for him, which does not work well really in many situations in marriage. I've come <laughs> to find out. So anyway, I've just encouraged them with saying, you know, if you do a little research and you explain, if you kind of give them the context, they have a lot of preconceived notions, yes. uh, non-homeschoolers do. Now, it's, it's funny because now that we're in our sphere, we've been doing this for so long, Most of the people we associate homeschool, or if they don't homeschool, they're friends of people who homeschool. So it's very normal. But for the rest of the world, it's not normal. Right. And so they don't have a context. They don't understand that we're actually learning. And I mean, they don't have the same view of what we think education is discipleship. They wouldn't understand it that way and building relationships and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I would never advocate doing it the way that I did it, but the Lord has redeemed it. So.
0: (laughs) Oh, goodness. I find that really interesting. And it's really kind of neat that you guys have you made this journey and we're going to talk a little bit more about your journey later, but just made this journey from this very public school mindset and into what your homeschool has become today. And so I it's interesting to see the progression there.
1: Yeah, well the funny thing was too. I remember I I was having lunch with my mom And one day when I had decided to homeschool before we, again, before we had kids and I told her, listen, mom, I've made this decision. I haven't even told Chris yet, but you need to tell dad for me because (laughs) he's going to take him years because this is before we even had kids. I said, it's going to take him years to come to terms with this. And I was just so terrified. And my mom was getting deer in the headlights, same thing, because she knew my dad's reaction. And now my dad is, it took him a while to understand the paradigm shift, but now he he's supportive of us. So that's been very helpful as well.
0: Well, that's great. Well, your homeschool days are most like which literary classic? Would it be A, The Odyssey, B, Little Women, C, Swiss Family Robinson, or D, Lord of the Flies? Uh,
1: Well, I would, okay. So my son's perspective, my son is the only man standing, right? He's got three sisters and a mom who he's with all day. He, my son would very much feel like it's little women. There's just, you know, there's way yeah. too many females all the time. He's being attacked and harassed by women trying to control his life at every turn. Now, I think I love the idea of the Odyssey, though. Epic adventure, you know, heroism, good versus evil, all this sort of thing. I, you know, we're battling the sin in our own lives. We're battling the world. I love all that. So let's say the Odyssey.
0: There you go. I think you're the first person to ever pick the Odyssey. That's oh. awesome. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> that, I'm like, is no one ever going to pick the Odyssey? <laughs> and this is great. It's such an adventure.
1: Yes, it is. It is an adventure.
0: Well, speaking of adventure, what is one of the biggest challenges that you face as a homeschooling mom? Oh,
1: one of the biggest challenges. Well, I'd say my biggest challenge is me and my growth and showing, uh, loving my kids the way that they deserve to be loved and need to be loved. And I mean, we're with them all day long, every single day. And I love being with them. And I know every woman, my every mom that you interview says that they love being with their kids. And I'm sure it's genuinely true. But the fact is, they often get a mom who is not displaying any fruit of the spirit. There's no love. There's no joy. There's no mm-hmm. peace. There's no patience, all that kind of stuff. And that those are stumbling blocks. And I mean, my kids have, by the grace of God, all love being educated at home and they all love this journey that we're on. And they don't, the thing that creates strife in our day is when mommy gets cranky. Mm -hmm. And then I start barking out orders, and I'm not showing any gentleness, and my tone is harsh. And then people are, you know, have the deer in the headlights look, and they're backing up against the wall thinking, I wonder, if mom's going to explode? That kind of thing. And then, you know, I, so I'm just, it's constantly a cycle of asking them for forgiveness and mm-hmm. repenting and then making it right with them and then things go along more smoothly but we would have a lot less of that if I would grow in in that grace so
0: oh I hear you I yeah but you know that modeling I had to ask for forgiveness today myself yep. and that modeling of asking for forgiveness when you've done something wrong and making it right I think yeah. that I hate to have to teach that lesson so often <laughs>
1: I, why can't they do it with each other why am i the only the one who's having to ask for forgiveness all the time exactly yeah, it's so humbling all the time it's so amazingly humbling and i was i've just reflected on this in the last month thinking man they are so free in their forgiveness of me mm-hmm. they never hold a grudge it is never not they are never out of fellowship with me i'm always the one who's holding the grudge in my heart you know even if i don't communicate it to them with my words. I'm the one who's, you know, storing up the offenses or their negligence or their laziness or their all this kind of stuff. And I thought, man, I have got I have much to learn.
0: From right. That. Well, and it's just, you know, becoming like a child.
1: Yes. Yes. It's very much a biblical picture. And it's, I mean, it's beautiful that we can see it. And like I said, it's very humbling.
0: Yes. Well, if you could have one homeschool guru over for dinner at your house, <sighs> who would you invite? <sighs>
1: Oh man, that's a good one. Homeschool guru. Let's see. I would say probably Dr. Christopher Perrin or Andrew Kern. If it was Andrew Kern, I'd have to have a notebook out and I would have to be <laughs> vigorously taking notes and trying to remember all the philosophical points you was saying. If it was Dr. Perrin, it might be a little bit more practical. And I've just learned so much from both of those men. And Dr. Perrin, especially in this whole idea of A and restful learning. And I just love the, we've changed our schooling a lot over the last year, trying to incorporate this idea of very intentional, very restful, contemplative learning. We're not rushing. We're not madly trying to get through lessons like we used to, which has always been the case up to this last school year. So Mm -hmm. I would pick one of those two men. If they would come, my husband would do the cooking and I would do the talking and then I would clean up. So it'd be, I would love it. So.
0: Yeah, that would be a pretty awesome dinner. So if you ever get them both to come, you have to invite me.
1: I will. And at the very least, I will will have you Skype at the dinner table with us. There
0: you go. (laughs) Fill in the blank for me, Allison. If my grown child blank, I will have succeeded as a homeschooling mom.
1: Oh, let's see. If my grown child is walking in faithful obedience with the Lord and loves their Bible and loves their wife or their husband and their children and sees themselves as the chief storyteller of their own family, then I will have succeeded.
0: Wow, chief storyteller of their own family. Expand upon that one for me.
1: Yeah, well, that's how I think of myself. I think that, and I am the one, I mean, my husband too, but primarily I'm the one who's doing most of the teaching and I'm with them most of the time. But I'm the one who's creating the narratives that they're going to believe about their life. And I'm the one who's translating, so to speak, what the Bible says about who they are and who God is and the plans he has for them. And I'm feeding them, you know, I'm feeding their souls and nourishing their souls with stories that line up with what God is doing. And so I'm, you know, so I'm very intentional about telling them the stories that are true and good and beautiful so that they can see themselves in that picture and they're just not, I mean, what could be more defeating and demeaning for a child to think they're just a a blob that was created or that came from a monkey (laughs) or it's just some, you know, cog in a wheel somewhere that's just going to be cranked through the educational system and has to find a job, you know, selling cell phones at the mall someday. And that's sort of the end of all things. That would be crushing the spirit of the child. So I want to be, my husband and I together, you know, the chief storytellers for them telling them who they are in Christ and then I want them to do that with their own family.
0: Okay. Well, speaking of those stories, the true good and beautiful stories, what is your favorite family read aloud ever? Well, and no, you can't pick 12.
1: <laughs> I, I suspected you would ask me this, and so I've been mulling over this for days thinking this is so unfair. I mean, all the hemming and hawing that I'm sure all your guests do thinking this is just so awful. What an unfair thing. But I would say for me, my one, if I had to pick one, I would, today, I would say Mountain Born by Elizabeth Yates. Mm. And I don't know if you've read that. I have not. But you must add it to your list. But it's such, it's a story of this boy named Peter, and it kind of follows him through. He's a son of a shepherd. And there's just so much biblical imagery with him caring for the sheep and laying his life down for the sheep. And he grows up to be a man in the country and sort of learns from this other old shepherd that helps them. And, It's just, there's so much character growth that you watch him go through. It's amazing. So, and I, and I cried through half of it. So, A Mountain Born by Elizabeth Yates.
0: Okay. Well, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about some of the things that you might not like with homeschooling. Do you have a homeschooling pet peeve?
1: Oh boy, a homeschooling pet peeve. I would say that it is the fact that, and this is homemaking in general. And so part of homemaking is just incredibly gratifying because you get a, create family traditions and all this sort of stuff that you get to do. You're kind of, the, again, this chief storyteller of how you want your family to memorialize things and all this. But the frustrating part of it, because you're homeschooling, I think it's wrapped up into the homemaking piece of it, is that it's nothing is ever tidily put away and mm. stays in its place. It's always coming back out. And since I'm a kind of an obsessive, compulsive nick, I'm constantly recreating my bin system and constantly, you know, buying new shelves off restorationhardware.com, trying to think if I would just get a little bit more visual peace and less clutter, you know, then it would just make my day a lot smoother. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it's really, I have to come to the fact that I've, we've chosen to homeschool. We have four little people. We have a lot. We don't have television, so we have a lot of books and we have a lot of games and we have a lot of audio CDs. And so, and they are visually cluttering and I ha- and we have math books and all the school supplies and whatever so I just have to come to terms with that's part of the journey that we're on and so but the pet peeve that it's never quite put away the way that I wish it was
0: yeah you know I think we need an Instagram hashtag for <laughs> what our table looks like yes! at the end and so we could all post these you know these pictures and probably outdo each other with- <laughs> huh? It's horrible. By the yeah, time we're done it, with the it, day. It,
1: it is. I know. I mean, you beat. It's like we beat our house to death, and then it comes back together at the end of the day, only to be beaten to death the next day. And so I think, all right, we're using our house well. We're using our space well. It's not. It's for not for lack of use. So.
0: Oh no, we definitely live here.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> well, fill in the blank for me again. As a homeschool mom, I really rock. What?
1: I really rock. Well. What I really enjoy is setting up systems. I love if we have a problem, a kink in our schedule or the way that something's happening, like our breakfast routine, if it's something, it's taking too much time or it's requiring too much labor for some certain people, little kids not being able to get their own breakfast on time, then I love to come up with a system and and I always create like a visual graphic chart. I, you know, and I print it off and I color code it and I put it on the whiteboard so the kids always know. When something is changing and mom's starting a new system, there's always an appropriate visual graphic and an aid to accompany them. So they know how it works. And my husband's always just wandering around saying, has mom created a new system for X, (laughs) Y, or Z? I can't seem to locate the tape. That must have, and then my oldest will say, well, dad, haven't you checked the chart, the new chart? Dad will say, no. And so I rock the systems because it's very gratifying for me to put them in place.
0: You did say obsessive compulsive, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) (laughs) There's only so few things we can control in our life. And one of them is little tiny systems. So
0: Well, I almost hesitate to ask the next question, which was, when do you start planning for next year? And I have a feeling you never stop.
1: Well, the the planning part is so much more fun the than the execution. Oh, isn't it, though? Oh, my word. It's, yeah, I mean, how many times have I talked to other homeschool moms? How's your school year going? Well, it's great. It's just that, you know, it's the same kids keep coming back to the table every morning. And, (laughs) you know, it's the same old thing. Of course, we love the children that are coming to our table, but it's, The idea, I've often said this, and the same thing with motherhood for me. I didn't have, I was sort of infatuated with this idea of motherhood, never having any idea what it was actually going to be like, you know, this dying to yourself. And same thing with homeschooling. I love the idea of it. I love the planning. I love putting all the pieces in place, but it's the actual laying down of your life day after day that's far more challenging.
0: Yes, that is true. Well, tell me one thing that you've learned while homeschooling that you didn't know before.
1: Well, I didn't know a lick of Latin before, so that's an easy answer. <laughs> and my children are studying Latin for the first time this year, so I've thoroughly enjoyed learning alongside of them. Let's see, what else didn't I know? I mean, I didn't know how selfish I was. I didn't know how selfish I was until that first child came out. And then now it's just been a continual recognition that I just have to let this go. These are mm-hmm. people. These people are so, mu- these people that God has given me are so much more important than whether I have to fold that blanket on that couch 26 times today because so-and-so keeps using it because they want to do their grammar on the couch instead of at the table. And I just have to let it go. And that is so not important. And it is, I'm creating a stumbling block with this child that doesn't need to be here.
0: Right. Well, you wrote in January of this year about making some fairly radical changes to your homeschooling philosophy and subsequently your homeschooling schedule. And one of the things you wrote was, When I realized that I had too often been treating my students as cogs to be systematically assembled rather than souls to be tenderly formed, I knew our pacing must change. I just love that. And I wanted to ask you, what kind of changes have you made to your pacing and your homeschool days to reflect this new vision of your children as souls to be formed instead of cogs?
1: Well, thanks for asking that question or asking the question because it makes me think about it again and contemplate it some more. So this is our fifth year homeschooling and I would say the first four years as sort of a type A nut, my goal was just to condense a school year into as few months as possible and be done with it. Essentially, if there was a lesson plan that called for you know, nine months worth of something, I would just say, well, we're going to get this language arts done or the spelling done in four months so we can be done with it. And let's just crank it through. And just by the nature of the way our birth order was with our children this worked beautifully with my first two. They would just sit down and crank it out. And I would just say, okay, we'll do another one. We'll do another one. We'll do another one. And they just sat and they just did it. And then they were exhausted at the end of the hour or whatever, or the math or something like that. But I just wanted to get ahead. I'm always thinking, if we can just get ahead, then somehow this will be easier and they will be better and I'll be happier. (laughs) And this won't be so frustrating. And now, and I was sort of trying to implement that with my son, which is not, Who was very different temperament and personality than my first two, and I was just getting all levels of frustration with that. And so last year, probably nine months ago or so, I, the Lord just providentially brought a whole bunch of classical homeschooling websites and all this sort of thing to my attention, and I started eating up all these lectures and reading these books. And so Sarah McKinsey, I've already had on the show, wrote this beautiful little ebook teaching from rest, and in that she just said a couple things that really stood out to me, and one was. You know, getting ahead of what? Mm-hmm. What's the point of getting, getting ahead of who? That we're not, mm-hmm. I'm not competing with the neighbor. I'm not competing with what my sister-in-law is doing. I'm not competing with what somebody else at my church is doing. The point is not to get ahead and to complete the lesson plan. The point is that I am nurturing and developing and relating to this child who is a human being. And, and this artificial schedule has nothing to do with the fact that I, you know, that we need to work on the character trait of obedience or deceit, or laziness, or whatever it is. And that takes that those occupy no time schedule in the boxed curriculum whatsoever. And so
0: are just the beauty of the subject you're studying.
1: Exactly. You know, even to pull
0: it back to an academic thing.
1: Yes, absolutely. Well, And this is the first year we started doing Shakespeare. So we've been doing that since last August. And that's the same thing. I mean, I'm we're just doing the Well, we've been doing the Edith Nesbitt version, although Mm -hmm. we just bought how to teach Shakespeare with your children. And we brought that and I'm going to start implementing that next term to kind of start some memory work on that. But we read the whole Edith Nesbitt book and we just normally, so I would just say, okay, we're going to read one whole Shakespeare chapter essentially per day, you know, four days a week. And that would be the goal is just completing the chapter. And then we started reading that. I thought, no, this is totally defeating the purpose. My kids are eating up this language. They're having all this crazy imagery in their head. They're trying to reenact this they're loving this. Let's just enjoy the beauty of this. And then we'll pause after, you know, if, if I'm exhausted of reading after half an hour, then we'll just pause and we'll have enjoyed the time together. We've experienced this thing. And then the next day we can pick it up again. And that was just, it sounds so basic, but it was so revolutionary to me that we didn't actually, it wasn't, suddenly I was replacing this achievement orientation with this, you know, like Dr. Perrin says, this contemplation, just this enjoying the experience. And I think in that same piece that you just read from, I mean, I, I talk, or perhaps the follow up piece, I just talk about the present participle, which yes. I've always yeah. I <laughs> I mean, loved. I, that. Yeah. Like I just said, you know, my tagline, I've always despised the present participle, which is really what life is about. It's working it out and it's reminding and nurturing and coming back to it. And it's everything that ends in it, all these verbs ending in an I-N-G, I-N-G which, impl- yeah. Yeah, which implies you're doing it again and again and again. And it takes a while because we're dealing with human beings and not with machines. So all those things have been interwoven and related for me. And it's, we've just, I feel like I've, my whole heart has been refashioned from the inside out over this last year because it just so beautifully lines up I think with so many scriptural principles and it's just such a a more adds so much beauty to our day and beauty to my vision of homeschooling.
0: Wow just yeah the present participle thing just really got me I was like oh this is awesome. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) You know not trying to rush through the process. Yes. To get to the end result because we miss so much along the way. Well,
1: yeah. And the point is not the end result. It's not about the, it's the process. Mm -hmm. It's our sanctification. It's our working it out. It's our developing. It's all of that. That's where, you know, one thing for me, my personality bent, I'm always enjoying things more in retrospect. So if we go on a vacation and the kids are loving it and I'm exhausted because it was, you know, it's hard to have a vacation with four little kids and we get home. And about two weeks later, I realize, oh, okay. Now I'm just processing that. And yes, that was a good trip and done. In no way did I ever enjoy the vacation while we're on the two weeks, seeing all these amazing sites and traveling around the country. And now I'm just realizing that is such a flaw in me and the way that my heart works. I should be enjoying it in the midst of it and not, you know, not after the fact when I've actually had time to process it and think about it. I need to kind of reshift my focus on This is not about this pretty package at the end that I can look back at. It's the beauty of the relationships in the middle of it that I need
0: to grow to love more. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, that would be really sad to come to the end of a childhood. Yeah. And, you know, and I can see the same thing in my personality. So to to come to the end of a childhood and there's so much you've missed. Yes. You look back and say, well, you know, it was nice. But there was so much you missed along the way. Right. We are big tea time fans here at my house. Um, We love our poetry tea times. And I was reading a little bit about your fairy tale, Tea Times. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about that practice.
1: Yeah, and I've seen your some of your shots on Instagram, too. I've seen you done your poetry, Tea, and I've taken notes on those. So you've been an inspiration <laughs> to me as well. So thank you for that. No, I had never even thought of this whole concept of Tea time until again this last year as i've been learning so many different things about classical education and then these the way that different classical educators are implementing some of these points of beauty throughout their day so the way we do it is we have the red fairy tale book and the blue fairy tale book by andrew lang and I think they're in the blue one right now, so we have. That's what we call fairy tale tea time, is because Mm -hmm. it has. My husband reads out loud a fairy tale, but we started off with poetry because I know it's more. It seems to be more standard that people are having poetry teas, and we do enough poetry during our morning time every day that I just thought, well, we don't need to be super heavy on the poetry part. But they love the original fairy tales. So how that works for us is we do it Sunday afternoon. So this, this whole idea of Sabbath and rest on Sunday and refreshing and all that. So my daughters and I usually bake something after church. So this, for example, a couple weeks ago, my one daughter and I made blueberry scones mm-hmm. and that was fun. So then usually we serve like grape juice or apple juice. We only have one tea drinker, so they don't get as much gratification out of that if I serve them tea when they don't really like it. So I thought, well, let, if they're young, we should just start with a beverage that they actually enjoy, which is they don't ever get juice during the week. So they get grape juice and we have these really nice expensive goblets that I let them use including my 2-year-old she gets her own goblet which is just an accident waiting to happen mm-hmm. but they all have their different colored goblets and then we have our pastry that we have baked and then they all sit around on the floor and my husband opens up with some poetry right now they're doing the Robert Louis Stevenson's Child's Garden Verses and that's been really fun because my 6-year-old son he's already memorized several of the poems in there just from our morning time routine and so he's been reciting along with daddy or you know he'll just recite it instead of daddy doing so that's fun so that's been kind of his little time to shine because often his sisters overshadow him in their words <laughs> and so it's his time to actually pipe up and be heard so that's been fun and then he reads one chapter out of the fairy tale book and so the whole thing lasts and they're usually done by the time he gets to the fairy tale they're usually done eating so they all just kind of sit on the couch and snuggle up and then my two-year-old goes around and picks up you know grazes crumbs off the floor and that kind of thing and I'm cleaning up and <laughs> She's doing my vacuuming for me, and then he finishes the fairy tale, and the whole thing takes about I don't know forty five ish minutes, depending Mm -hmm. on how long. Some of those fairy tales are really long, like eighteen pages, small print. Oh my goodness! My husband needs water refills sometimes. This so long, but they he can't stop. They can't wait till the next Sunday to hear how it ends. So and so they all just love it, and we have a little sign. Surprise, surprise! A little graphic design that I made, you know, announcing our fairy tale tea time. So I'll put that little sign out so they remember that it's coming. And I mean, as they grow older, I'd love to make it more elaborate and have more food and that kind of thing. But right now we're just keeping it very simple because they're also young.
0: Well, you know, sometimes simple's better because that's what gets done.
1: Yeah, exactly. If it was something that was super overwhelming or if it required lots of culinary skills, because I don't like to be in the kitchen, I don't enjoy cooking. But making a yummy, delicious pastry with my daughters is a totally different thing. And, you know, because we're, we're prepping for this tea time. So yeah, if it was going to be some three course, you know, cucumber sandwich preparation, like a real tea, forget it. That's, I ain't doing that right now. So
0: yeah, we have been known to purchase things from the store for Ooh. tea
1: time. <laughs> <laughs> True confessions. Yes. No, that is completely acceptable. Absolutely. Yes. We will probably end up doing that at some point.
0: Yeah. If it means the difference between it getting done and not yes. getting done, definitely go with getting done over a fancy, fancy treat. So. I agree. Well, I love that. Well, Allison, I have a little pop quiz for you. All right. Are you ready? I think so. All right. First thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Coffee or tea?
1: Coffee. Well, espresso to be more precise. Mm. I'm an espresso drinker.
0: A little bit country or a little bit rock and roll?
1: Definitely rock and roll.
0: Well-trained mind or unschoolers anonymous?
1: I would be the exact opposite of an unschooler. We'd be on. Off. We wouldn't even acknowledge each other if we were standing in the room together. We're so far removed. Definitely well trained mind. <laughs>
0: <laughs> early bird or night owl?
1: Definitely early bird.
0: Craft or read aloud?
1: Oh, read aloud. Give me a read aloud.
0: Lap book or workbook?
1: Workbook. We don't do a ton of them, but lap book is no thank you. That's they can do lap books when they're old enough to handle all the cutting and pasting by themselves.
0: Yes. Keep your glue. Thank you.
1: Yes. No, thank you. Glue and glitter.
0: Co-op or stay home?
1: Oh, stay home. Introvert. Yes. Stay yeah. home.
0: Bed made or unmade?
1: Bed made.
0: Bookmark or dog ear?
1: Bookmark. Absolutely. Well, yes, you have to have bookmarks. The last two or three Christmases, one of my main gifts from all my children have been homemade bookmarks. Oh. A couple years ago, Two of my daughters, they do a bunch of artwork and then my husband had them put on cardstock and laminate it. And then last year, my son, he actually cut little wood, he little slices of wood, and then he poked holes through it and put leather straps to it. And he tried to carve it. The carving didn't work so well when you're five and you have a carving knife, it yeah. doesn't work well. So he ended up doing Sharpie, but they're all these personal homemade bookmarks. So we love bookmarks in our house. So no dog ears.
0: Oh, those are awesome bookmarks. Sonnet or haiku?
1: Oh, sonnet. Definitely.
0: And Allison, I know that you are online in a couple of places. Where can people find you online?
1: Well, I am an Instagram at it's burr underscore family. I am also the project coordinator for Sarah McKenzie's Read Loud Revival podcast. And so I'm kind of bopping around there helping out with certain things so you can find me on there. And I've written some things for the Circe Institute, so you could look me up there as well.
0: Well, thanks so much for joining me.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me, Pam. I had a great time.
0: And there you go. I hope you enjoyed our chat today. For information about the books and links that Allison and I talked about, you can check out the show notes at edsnapshots.com forward slash 10. And there you can leave a comment or a question for Allison or myself. And don't forget to go and pick up that Classical Academic Press discount code. So you can use that as well. And I wanted to thank everyone who has left ratings and reviews for the podcast in iTunes, or even if you've just shared the podcast with some friends. The feedback that I've gotten about the podcast has been really great. And I'm happy to hear that you guys are enjoying the conversations that we've been having here. So I hope you join us for the next episode. And until then, keep on homeschooling.